Okay, we could create a whole world in the mind of the listener simply by using sound effects. Ron Wolfley. Thud, 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 thud. <laughs> Boomerang. Boom. Luke Lipinski. Huh. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hour number two of the show, live from the Auction Community Studios. It's a good day with the Suns, the way they played last night. Coyotes beat the defending Stanley Cup champions. Uh, unfortunately, Max, Max starts is in for Wolf. That's not the unfortunate part. Unfortunately, the uh, the Cardinals game coming up, uh, you know, we're going into week 17, and uh, it has no meaning at all in the standings, unless you're one of those Cardinals fans that's like, hey, you know what? It does have some meaning. I wouldn't mind having, like, the third pick or the second pick or even the first pick is still in play at this point. But setting that aside for a second, and we will get into that a little bit later, Later on in the uh, in the show, just these last two games, as far as Cliff Kingsbury, Max, do you think they have any sort of bearing on whether or not he is back next season, or has that decision already been made internally? Uh. No, I think the decision is still pending. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. You go 4-13, and 13, then maybe some hard decisions need to be made because you might have lost the locker room. And I know there's a lot of injuries that you have to take into account, but for what the resources dictate and what you should have been able to accomplish with what they made available – you should have been a team better than 4-13. Four, four and 13. So I think these last two weeks do matter. I think they do matter for Cliff's future. And I think you have to, you have to evaluate and figure out what am I going to do moving forward. Um, but they, they, they've, they've, got to, they've got to put some heart into this. I know you've had some close victories that ended up being losses. <clears throat> but there's no moral victories. No. You know, I hate to say this, not. but... I hate to say this, but uh, losing to Tampa Bay was unacceptable. I mean, Tampa Bay is a terrible team right now. And I get it. Their, their, their division is what their division is. They're the new NFC East this season, right? It just shifted down south. Um, <clears throat> but to lose that and then to lose uh, just some other games that are just inexcusable, um, you know, losing to the Broncos. I mean, think about that. No, think about I don't that. want to. Your head will explode if you think about that too long. Denver just gave up right. 51 points to the Rams, who have nobody on offense. Cam Akers had three touchdowns, and they were, they've been trying to get rid of him all year. <laughs> like, exactly. Denver is an absolute mess. They are the only, even if you are the most pessimistic Cardinals fan, how do you not look at Denver and be like, oh, at least we're not them? Yeah, he said, well, we might be them. That's what you have to say. We well, but the Cardinals have picks, at least. <laughs> that is true. You do have picks, um, you know, but at the same time, it, it, it's a tough pill to swallow. Uh, and then now, you, now you're now you going to Atlanta <clears throat> to face the Falcons, who they are literally a one-trick pony. Listen to me, Luke. They are a one-trick pony. I don't even know what that trick they, is. They just run? Yeah, they just run. That's it. That's it. <laughs> they just run the football. Denver, like literally, Denver's that's all, a zero that's trick all they're pony, known for. And you lost to Denver. Denver doesn't have any tricks. They, they, they just tricked you. That's uh, that's all they did. They're they're magicians. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. But yeah, but uh, but you know, because because I saw this team uh, obviously covering the Steelers, and that's our crossovers the NFC South. Um, we you know I went to Atlanta. By the way, Mercedes Benz, beautiful stadium, uh, beautiful venue, but. 
uh, you know, the Steelers obviously dominated that game as far as presence. And it was just is is a one sided affair when you looked at just how bad. Now I know Desmond Ritter's now the starter, right? Marcus Mariota has been been sat down and. And you're trying to figure out what he could do, if he could be a difference maker in this process. But at the same time, it's still something that's very tough to deal with, um, knowing that you do have a squad that wants to run the football. You've been kind of questionable in your run defense this year. Um, you have to come in with a mindset that you got to smash the run with whoever's there. And then from there, try and make it um Try to make it a, a, a closet fight because they are they're just a, they're just a tough squad, but they only have one trick. Well, so if you can get anything out of Trace McSorley, um, you know, throwing in the air, it's going to be an advantage. I'm fascinated by this this idea though that these last two games still matter for Cliff's future, and I don't totally disagree with you because you know we all saw the Bidwell speech on Hard Knocks where he went in there and talked to the team, but then kind of threw in there also like I can tell who's trying and who isn't. Um, it's certainly seems like this team is still trying for Cliff. Like, having seen Denver and seen what they did with Nathaniel Hackett, like, those players had quit on the season and certainly had quit on their coach. Not all of them, but enough of them. Now, I get it, and I think you were one of the people that brought this up to me, Max. Some of them not quitting on Cliff might be them not quitting on J.J. Watt or Buda Baker or DeAndre Hopkins, some of the other veteran leaders on this team, and so those guys are keeping the other guys in line, but it, that's that's interesting here in these final few games because I kind of agree with you. If you go four and thirteen, I think even with all the circumstances, you got to take a good long look at what you're going to do at coach. If you if he comes back and they win the last two games, and I don't think they will, but if they win the last two games with all the injuries and everything going on, that might that might very well lead ownership to say, you know what. It's been a weird year with the injuries. It's been a weird year with the GM situation. Some of the other coaches, none of the intangibles have gone our way. Yes, Cliff should have done a better job, but we, we saw him do it a year ago. I'm not saying that's the path to go down. Like I said earlier, if Sean Payton wants to come here, I think you just have to do that. You just have to figure out a way to do it. And honestly, Cliff might be better off, big picture. But I do wonder how much, if, if you beat Atlanta and or San Francisco, how much that factors into who the coach is next year. But I have to believe it, it, it looms large because it, if you are going to finish four and thirteen, you know they figure that puts you in the top three at least. So, um, do you want to start fresh with a brand new coach and give him some picks that uh, he can he can go and revamp and retool? Once he figures out what he wants to do, if if, you know, if a high profile coach is the one you're after, if you have a young coach and you're giving him these picks, now your GM choices and however that's going to play out really matters, right? So yeah. there's so many things to weigh in, in this possibility. Um, but I think it, it really starts with if you just handle business, win out these last two games, at least give some positivity, and you don't end like you did last year, which was in blowout fashion because you are facing San Francisco, and that's going to feel like a playoff environment because based off of whatever happens this weekend, you know, San Francisco could also be in position to improve their status as well and their standings um, in the playoff picture and seating. Uh, but it, it's, yeah, you've, you've got to take care of business and it starts starts with the Falcons uh, come 11 a.m. on Fox on uh, New Year's Day. Well, for, for what it's worth, these are the Sean Payton next team odds in Vegas. Okay, this got sent to me yesterday. So they have uh, in Vegas right now, there are, you can either, you can bet the field or you can bet these six teams who they see as the front runners to land Sean Payton, okay? 
Uh, let's see. Number. I'll, I'll just count up for number six. Number six, they have the Buccaneers at 10.5% uh, implied odds. They have the Panthers at 11.8%. They have Dallas and the Chargers at 16.7%. And then the two teams, they say, Vegas, people, the way they're betting, uh, the money is on... Denver as the second most likely, and the Cardinals as the most likely next team for Sean Payton. That's not an exact science. That's not a report. That's not Sean Payton saying that. But that is Vegas, who usually takes... The reason I always look at the, the Vegas odds is because Vegas has no emotion. They just want all your money. So they just kind of go yeah. by what, what the, the feeling is out there. And judging by that, the feeling is that Sean Payton is most likely to go to the Cardinals, followed by the Broncos. The Chargers and Cowboys are interesting to me, because if the Chargers had missed the play playoffs and they're in now but if they had missed the playoffs and, and fired Brandon Staley I just think that's where Peyton goes I don't even think there's I don't even think he thinks twice he's like I got Justin Herbert and a decent team that's where I'm going now that they're in the playoffs I, that should in theory take them out of the running Dallas if Dallas loses in the first round I still kind of think that's where he's going. If it's like a weird first round exit and Mike McCarthy's the one getting blamed again, like the way last season ended, I couldn't you just see Jerry Jones being like, "Yeah, I don't care. I'll just just give me Sean Payton." Yeah, I mean, I mean that that's that that's that that that's that's the intrigue, right? But you know, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, good defense, Cardinals defense. Uh, you know, where is the bigger upside? But also, where is there going to be more stress? I mean, that's what Champagne's going to have to weigh, right? Um, if it's not going back to the New Orleans Saints, um, and it is taking a new job. Um, yeah, which one is more attractive to you? There's a lot of people that think he's just going back to New Orleans now, too. Which, yeah, <laughs> and, which, which that, that which, yeah, which is one that I think is is a higher possibility, just because if you see how disparaging the results are with and without Sean Payton, right? With 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 the Dennis Allen experiment uh, going awry in New Orleans after one year, but yeah, it's, it's going to be very intriguing. Who's the better situation? I think it's going to be for Sean Payton. Pick the better quarterback. That's what ultimately is going to going to make his decision. Uh, if you're headed to the college football semifinal at State Farm Stadium, get the party started at the College Football Hall of Fame free tailgate starting at 10 a.m. on the Great Lawn at Sportsman's Park. Music, food, beverages, and special guests will make this tailgate party memorable. Admission is free. 10 a.m. on the Great Lawn at Sportsman's Park. Coming up next, we'll give you some NFL overreactions heading into Week 17. It's the Wolf and Luke Show. Max Starks in for Wolf on Arizona Sports the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, welcome back to the show. We're going to do some uh, NFL overreactions here. Max Starks is in for Wolf, and uh, the way it's going to work, Maloney's going to throw them out. Max and I are going to either agree they are an overreaction, or eh, maybe there's some truth to them. So, Aaron, take it away. So I found these all on CBS. Okay. Just as a heads up. Can't okay. claim them as my own. But the first one, the Cowboys can beat the Eagles in Philadelphia. How's that, Mr. Number One in the power poll? <laughs> yeah, I guess. We'll oh, know well, there we answer. go. Uh, look, okay, I'll, I'll start here. I'll, I'll say, I mean, can they? Yeah, they can. They're not going to in the playoffs, but they can. I'm not. I'm not going to look at a win over Philadelphia minus Jalen Hurts and, and think Dallas suddenly has the Eagles figured out. But Max, I did think earlier this season Dallas would eventually catch Philadelphia, and uh, I guess they still could. But they are clearly not as good of a team. Yeah, no. Well, they they might next year. 
winning next season. Yeah. I, I don't think they even make it to an opportunity where they can't even fight against Philadelphia. So it, it, it could be true, but we'll never know. We'll have another 180-plus days to figure that out because uh, it's not going to happen this this season. The Browns will regret giving Deshaun Watson $230 million guaranteed. Boy, I, I, I will laugh if they do. I kind of hope that they do. I didn't love the way they, like, structured that with all the money backloaded. Like, I mean, the Browns kind of just... Browns fans deserve a winner because they've been through it, Max. I know you're not going to back me up on that, but I'm just saying Browns fans in general deserve a winner. But I just don't like the way they went about this. And it sure looks like, if you're going to base it on this season, that they're going to regret it because he has not been good. <laughs> yes. That's right. We did, we did not start the fire. It was already burning. Browns are a dumpster fire. And listen to the name. Just add him as a notch in your belt, Cleveland Browns fans, for ruining quarterbacks. Bad decisions beget bad decisions. And this is just another one, except for this is just a $230 million bad decision. But what's money nowadays in the NFL, right? You throw it around, guys have all this money available to them. So, ah, as, as Mike Tomlin would like to say, people never care about your problems. They're just excited that they don't have them and you do. So, Browns. I bid you adieu. It is just a continuation of what we already know about the Browns organization. Nothing new. Nothing new to see here. Move along. Please enjoy. We have free. We have, we 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 have slices of pizza available at the concession stands. Well, they they definitely did this thing now where everybody in the league is rooting against them because even opposing owners are like, "Thanks, now I got to pay my quarterback a quarter of a billion dollars because you overpaid for this guy." Unless you're the Ravens, <laughs> yeah. and you now have it now. Lamar Jackson has lost his levers that he had. The Lions. This, oh, sorry, because the floor was supposed to be the ceiling. Now, now, sorry about that, Aaron. I didn't know you had so much on the Browns. Uh, we should have known. I didn't think of that either. The Lions blew their playoff opportunity. Uh, I mean, they can still get in because everybody else around them lost. But boy, that was that was pretty telling, wasn't it, Max? All right, here you go, Lions. All the all the, the spotlights on you. The doors open. How are you going to respond? You're going to respond by giving up like almost 300 rushing yards in the first half to Carolina and just completely folding. They didn't blow their opportunity, but um, I mean, because Washington's going with Carson Wentz this weekend, so anything goes. But I, I lost a lot of confidence in Detroit. That, that feels weird to say that they even had confidence, but I lost a lot this weekend. Yeah, I mean, they were a buzzsaw. They were a team a week ago nobody wanted to see. And then we saw and we seen. And it was not pretty uh, down there. Carolina absolutely dismantled them. Once again, another team I saw. I saw Carolina the week before. And the Steelers manhandled the Panthers. And then the Panthers got pissed and went and manhandled the Lions and became Lion Tamers. And we've proven that a Panther is actually tougher than a Lion uh, in physical representation. So, you know, and Carolina's still very alive in this playoff picture. So they're playing for something, um, whereas Detroit is just trying to get there. I don't, I don't know if Detroit, after taking that loss, really can be a viable playoff candidate now. The middle class in the NFC has me worried that the Vikings are going to start winning some playoff games. Whoa. 
Ugh. The Vikings are a one-and-done team in the playoffs. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I've believed all season long that they're not a Super Bowl, a legitimate like threat to win the Super Bowl, and I still believe that, Max. But um, if you're going to tell me they're playing Detroit or Washington or Seattle in the first rounds, I, they're probably not going one-and-done. They're probably going to win a playoff game and then lose in the second round would be my pick. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. I think I think this is one where, yeah, unless you get Dallas, which I don't think you can draw because the four seed is going to be some terrible NFC South team. You you've got a legit shot. I mean, I, I'm just going to be honest. I think they can win one, and then after that, I don't think they win the divisional round. Jalen Hurts is the MVP of the league by not playing Saturday. Uh, I know he's, he's like, it seems like, according to Vegas, he basically has no chance to win now because he didn't play. But I, I get it. Like, you watch that game, you're like, oh, if they had Jalen Hurts, do they win? Uh, I will say this, Max, and Patrick Mahomes kind of gets, you know, almost forgotten about because he's just so good every year. Jalen Hurts probably should be the MVP this year with what he did for that team. And it's not just him. I get it. If Micah Parsons is listening, but he's been the definition of the MVP for the first 15 weeks. Yeah, and I'm right there with you. I think, but I think you're right, Patrick Mahomes. We do have such a high ceiling for him because he came out the gate so hot. And I know he, you know, I think rightfully he deserves it. Right? You're still doing this without your key piece, Tyree Kill. You're still getting it with a ragtag group of wide receivers, and you don't really have consistent running back play in the backfield. And so it's really him, Travis Kelsey, and then just some some wizardry in there. But uh, Jalen Hurts means more to his team, you know, I think, than Patrick Mahomes does uh, just by a smidge margin. Yes, you have a lot of talent, but you have to have somebody deliver that ball to said talent. And Jalen Hurts has done it the best, better than everybody else this season. The 49ers can win the Super Bowl with Brock Purdy. All right. You said can. Can, yes, I think they can. I think they are. They're on my, my list of four teams that can win the Super Bowl. I don't think they will unless things get really sideways in the AFC, but I, I do think San Francisco could absolutely come out of the NFC, all due respect to Philadelphia. I just don't know that they're going to, because they're not going to get the first round by. They're going to have to win four playoff games, and you figure at least two of those are going to be against really good teams, Max. I think they can. I'm, they wouldn't be my first pick to actually do it, though. Yeah, no, they wouldn't be my first pick to do it, but I think they have a very good shot. I mean, they're like I said, you know, you want to see teams ascending in December, and what they've done since November is ascend as, as an organization, and they've settled down with Brock Purdy. And listen, the recipe for winning playoff games, having a stout run defense and being able to run the football, those are the two main factors because that travels anywhere in this greater United States and outer lying territories and islands. You have a run defense and you can run the ball, you're going to have a shot and your quarterback can manage the game. So yes, they have the recipe to actually be successful. So they can win. I don't know if they will. Like you said, Luke, I'm on that same boat, but they have the possibility. And then the last one, guys, the Titans and Jaguars should rest their starters next week. (laughs) 
because this this is because they, they play each other in week 18. And okay, so so basically, no matter what happens this week, it's going to come down to who wins in week 18. I thought Tennessee was resting their starters for the last five weeks with whatever they've been doing. Um, no, you can't. You know, look, especially if you're Jacksonville, you can't because you've been on a roll and you want that that win in case like you tie Tennessee in week 18. Because I could absolutely see Tennessee and Jacksonville tying in week 18. So you still want the advantage this week if you can get it. Especially if you're Jacksonville because you're on a roll. Yeah, absolutely. That you, you got to do that. I mean, come on. This is this is, that, that would be that would be asinine if either one of them rested their starters. You got to play, and also you need momentum. Whoever you are, in that victory to get into the playoffs, you need a victory going into that. All right, that was uh, NFL overreactions. Thank you, Aaron. Text us your thoughts to the Fanduel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. When we come back, what do you expect to see from the Suns in the second half of this back to back tonight? We're going to ask their broadcaster for Bally Sports, Kevin Ray, joins us next for Game Day with K Ray. It's Wolf and Luke. Max Starks in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Catch it in from the corner. Wolf and Luke brings the boom and catching bodies on his way to the rack. Sons, game day with K Ray. I'm ready for whatever. I'm ready for whatever. Uh, this is a treat. We don't usually get to have Kevin Ray on right after a win like last night because then the Suns don't usually play the next night, but they are playing tonight in Washington against the Wizards. So it's time for game day with K Ray. Kevin Ray of Valley Sports joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. Uh, Kay, let's start with that game last night. Not, not bad at all considering who was out of the lineup and who you were playing. I mean, look, I'm guessing that there were some folks in Vegas saying, uh, what, 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 what happened? <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you look at the, the points and just overall productivity of the guys who were in street clothes last night, you know, you were hoping for the Suns to come out and show that fight, but just considering the team that you were playing and considering they got one of the best records uh, tied with Golden State uh, going into last night with the best home records in the NBA, 13-2, you know, the the odds were long if you were being realistic. But um, that was... Look, that that was Suns basketball. That was Suns basketball from you know from a couple of years ago, guys, and and that's that's what Monty you know has been telling these guys that they need to you know to to get back into. No, absolutely. K-Ray, isn't it funny? Now, two times. I mean, back-to-back weeks, we are on the airwaves together at the same time. Dean Grossman is proud right now. Um, <laughs> Indeed he is. <laughs> and, and the roles have been reversed. I, I'm i now the interviewer instead of the interviewee in this moment. And I'm happy to be that because, like you said, this was, this was I mean, a tremendous show of great. Because this wasn't even a close game, right? You know, you have the Denver game. You go into overtime and you lose by three, but you just played this team before that four days prior, and there was a a significantly different result, and a guy by the name of Devin Booker happened to be in the lineup, and then Dwayne Washington steps in off the bench, and, you know, obviously we'll deal with the injury to Chris Paul, but plays admirably. I mean, what is the expectation for him now that you have to have this Washington game, which also is one that's been in recent memory and and ended in a loss? Can you mention it again? 
Yeah, I mean, there we've gotten no official word on Chris. I mean, we didn't get to the hotel here in Washington till about three forty-five this morning. Uh, we had to de-ice there in Memphis, of all places, if you can imagine that. So uh, we were about two hours behind our our itinerary time. So uh, everything is moving a little slow here this morning. So there's been no update. Uh, they obviously had no shoot around. You know, the team will head over later this afternoon. I, I was talking to Chris as we were walking out of the arena last night. Uh, he he seemed to be okay. One of the things that, that he had uh, told me that Landry Shaman had shared with him, and you might know this a little bit, Max, but he had said apparently like with MMA fighters, there is a nerve in, in the back of your leg that sometimes MMA fighters will kick it and you get, it's almost like dead leg. And similar to like when you get hit in the funny bone and Chris believes that that's what happened because it was just kind of that weird kind of stinging, tingling sensation um, where you may, couldn't feel like your, your feet or your toes. Um, you know, similar to frostbite, anybody that's, you know, come close to experiencing that. But he, he was walking out okay last night, did not appear to have any kind of a limp. But, again, this was last night, so we'll see, you know, what it uh, what it looks and feels like here this morning. Well, and just to give a little bit of an update, just as, as you guys were talking, uh, our, our own Kellen Olson tweeted out, so no Booker, no Cam Johnson, no Jay, obviously, <laughs> no campaign, no Landry Shamit tonight on the injury report. Uh, Chris Paul is not on the injury report, though, so I don't know. Maybe that's, I would assume, that's a good sign for tonight. It, it is it is sort of ironic, uh, K-Ray, that you know this is a season where I think a lot of us thought we may not see Chris Paul a whole lot during the regular season, but you want to see everybody else. And now it's kind of flipped. Everybody else is sort of the question mark. And Chris Paul, if, especially if he plays again tonight, second half of a back-to-back, um, he seems to be the constant just in terms of being out there. But I want to go back to the game last night and what Dwayne Washington did because it's not like you have a game like that and suddenly you're a huge part of the rotation when everybody's healthy. But I also don't think he accidentally scored 26 points in an NBA game. How much of an opportunity do you see here for him over these next couple weeks until guys get healthy to maybe show he fits somewhere on this team? Well, look, and, and you know, I, I had said this in one of our visits recently, guys, with campaign being sidelined um, and the, the variety of other injuries that were taking place. You know, it was really unfortunate that Dwayne hurt his hip and and missed those. Uh, you know, I think it was eight games because. There's no doubt in my mind that Monty Williams would have found room for him on the floor, and we saw flashes of against you know this against Miami when he went for 21 points. Um, and this is a this is a young man just based on talking to some people in the off season after they made the deal, going back and looking at some of his tape. I mean, he possesses uh, a very interesting skill set that the Suns haven't had in a minute. Um, it's a little bit of, of what we're seeing now recently of Landry, but he's got the ability to take guys off the dribble, create his own shot, and then also create shots for others. And I think beyond the scoring, that's what really 
I think pleased me last night, and I have to believe pleased Monty, is in addition to the 26 points, he had eight assists. So it's not like he was out there, you know, he got a hot hand like so many young players do, and then just keeps chucking it up. I mean, he really played within the confines of the offense, and once he got going, saw that he was drawing multiple defenders towards him, and, you know, fed fed the rock for a couple of beautiful uh, assists in that game. So that, to me, is what is most promising. And if he can continue that and continue to, to you know, be a pesky defender, as pesky as he can be, then he's going to find a spot uh, in this rotation. Yeah, and, and I do want to follow up on that, K-Ray. Um, you know, Monty talked about, you know, uh, <clears throat> D-Wash's play and said that he, he was playing how I wanted to, to, to him to play or how he thought I should, I, I would want him to play versus playing within himself. Um, you know, if that, if that's playing in the system and doing what Monty wants, uh, I think that's a good result. But I mean, where else can he grow? And what does that mean when Monty makes that kind of statement that he's not playing the way that you know he that that he would play and that he's playing within his concert. I mean, is that are those two diverging theories? Yeah, and, and so you know, I think what it is, and, and you can you know appreciate this, Max. When when you come from one team to another, especially as a young player, and we saw this a little bit to of a degree with Josh Akogi, where you know new guys are, are there. In most instances, their first desire is, man, I want to fit in. I, I, I want to, you know, I want to make sure I fit in with this team and with this system. And that's true, and that, that's a great mindset. But you also don't want to and can't strip away what your greatest assets are. You know, so much so in trying to squeeze yourself into the system. And, and I think one of the things that players learn when they come here with Monty is yes, we have a system, but part of the system is you doing what you do best. You know, don't, don't go outside of, of your comfort zone and try to do things that you can't, but we have you here for a reason. So continue to do that. And if you do that, we'll find ways to strengthen that within the framework of the system. And I think that's the biggest thing that Dwayne, we saw the same thing with Josh. You know, Josh finally kind of settled into like who he was um, and what the Suns wanted, especially in the offensive end, because they've got this philosophy, man, if you're open, let it fly. They, they run that shooting drill in practice, let it fly trying to build in and establish that mindset when you're on the floor. Um, because if, if you're not going to shoot, and we saw that last night with Jock Landale, and I thought that was key early on with Jock not hesitating on a couple of those three-point shots. But for new players, you know, it takes a minute because you may come from a system where you, you're being told, no, this is exactly what I want you to do. Don't deviate. And if you do, you're coming under the bench. Kevin Ray, great stuff as always, man. Thanks for the time. All right, boys. Thanks, Have a great day. That's uh, Kevin Ray of Bally Sports joining us right there for game day with K-Ray because the Suns are right back at it tonight in Washington against the Wizards. When we come back, back over to football, the Arizona Cardinals have a lot of work to do this offseason. Where do they start all of it? That's next. It's Wolf and Luke. Max Starks in for Wolf on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hi, welcome back to the show. It is Wolf and Luke, Max Starks, in for Wolf today. The uh, Cardinals 
got a lot of work to do. That's not, we're not breaking any news there. But um, looking at these mock drafts, Maloney, and right now the Cardinals at number four. Let's take the guy number four, right? I mean, I would think so. But do you know how much the 49ers gave up to move up to number three? That's a good point. I'm, so I'm looking at pro football. Like, we're not going to get a quarterback at four. No, but... So Kellen pointed this out yesterday, and it's one of those things I think we always forget. Let, let's say you pick, like... Let's say you pick at number four. Okay, Bryce Young's probably going one. If it's not him, it'll be C.J. Stroud or somebody. Some other desperate team for a quarterback will move up and take a guy at two. And there might even be another one willing to move up and take a guy at three. I don't know where that cutoff is. Where if you are, if you, to me, if you can get Will Anderson, you just take him if you're the Cardinals, but not if you're picking like first, right? I mean, you, like you said, you could get a lot back in return for some team that just has to draft a quarterback to appease their owner and their fans. I see. So right now they have the fourth pick if the season ended, but say they lose their last two games. Possibly. Where, yeah, where could that leave them in terms of picks? I mean, they could still pick first, I think. They, they could still pick first in this draft. I don't expect that to happen. Uh, but right now, the team's picking behind them. Obviously, Houston at the moment has the first pick, but only by a half game over the Bears. And then you have the Cardinals, Broncos, both tied with, at 4-11. and 11, So uh, picking third and fourth. Um, Max, when you look at this offseason, where, let's say, let's just say you were the owner of the Cardinals, okay? And, and week 18's over, you play San Francisco, okay, you're done. What's your first order of business? Because it feels like there are so many dominoes that need to fall and you have to make sure you hit them in the right order. Well, the first decision is what is the state of my GM? Right. Okay. Um, what What is this indefinite leave? Um, where are we at? Um, because now the business season of football begins. The second your regular season ends, and now it's where is he at? That's the first evaluation you have to make, and whatever decisions that may that now becomes the dominoes. Because right now you have two guys that are co GMing. Um, within your organization. And if he's not available, uh, there's still severe concerns or heightened concerns that this might be more long, long term. Now you got to figure out what was the GM status. Um, you know, are we going to continue with Quentin Harris and Adrian Wilson? Do we need to bring another GM in? Um, will one of them be elevated to the main role? Uh, that's business number one. First and foremost, I'm like I'm then, making a flow then, chart over here. Like I seriously, okay, here we go. Yeah. GM. Now, is it is it Kime or is it somebody new? Is it somebody? If it's somebody new, is it Adrian Wilson, Quentin Harris, or is it uh, is it somebody completely new? So this, I'm working on the flow chart. Yeah. Keep going. That's right. So there's thought there's thought bubble number one. GM. All right. Second thought bubble that then connects from the GM is head coach evaluation. Is Cliff Kingsbury fit enough to run this outfit moving forward? Um, how is it with with the team rapport? How it, has he lost them? Has he not? Do you need to take a player survey? Do you need to see what it is? Or have you seen enough from on the field to justify whether you keep or replace Cliff Kingsbury? And then from there, now, now the tentacles get a little more muddy, right? Because in the keep Cliff Kingsbury area, you have to say, okay, what does he need to help him? be successful this upcoming year we're going to need a quarterback um 
because of Kyler Murray's injury to start the season, where do we search? Is it still Colt McCoy and Trace McSorley based off of what we see from these last two games um, and what we've seen since the Kyler Murray injury? Or do we have to go elsewhere? What does that market look like? Or are we in the draft pool? Are we going for somebody? And where do we pick somebody in said draft pool? Um, that's the next evaluation under the Cliff Kingsbury tree. And then also coaching hires because now that brings back that loops back to the GM bubble so now you got to draw a little arrow back to the flow chart this GM. flow chart is an absolute disaster by the way like it is it is I was, it, trying yeah, to, exactly. I was trying to draw it out I was like okay if we can actually draw this out I'll like tweet it out or I can't let's forget it we're no, just gonna talk through no, it. no 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 we got to talk through it I mean th- th- and this is also a therapy session as well uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but now now you have to figure out okay what coaches are we going to bring in I Obviously, we need a new run game coordinator, an offensive line coach, or is that is that something that's going to be just elevated from within? To to OC or not to OC? That is the question. I think that's and it answer. wasn't and it wasn't Billy Shakespeare. That was that was that was everybody in NFL world, uh, and we we know what the answer is to that one. So now, who do you bring in from that coaching hire? If you don't go Cliff Kingsbury, now the other thought bubble, new coach guy. Hey. New coach, who this? Where are you going to find that coach? Are you going in the superstar pool, right? The Sean Payton category level. Are you going in the coordinator world? Or are you going to go back to the college pools to see if there's somebody that deserves to be elevated? Mm-hmm. Which we've seen that experiment fail time and time again. I would not go in the college pool. And we just got a college coach. Here. So, well, here, I got let's, yeah. I got some names I'm going to throw at you, okay, as far as coaches. Okay. Some of the names that are floating around, all right? And this isn't even just for the Cardinals. It's just kind of like a list that have been putting together of names that are out there. Some of them are, are, you know, lists of candidates for the Broncos job. So if you can't get Sean Payton, here's some of the other names. And you stop me if there's one you really like or really don't like. Uh, Dan okay. Quinn, Jim Caldwell, Demeco Ryans, Eric Bieniemy, Frank Reich, Kellen Moore, I don't think Jim Harbaugh is a realistic option. Um, no, he's not. I just I just saw him uh, actually two nights ago uh, when Michigan arrived here. Yeah, he, he's he's all in on Michigan. He seems to be pretty preoccupied with maybe winning a national championship. Um, Byron Leftwich, exactly. Leslie Frazier, Brian Flores, Darren Bevel. Uh, it's funny. I keep seeing Bill Cowher's names on these lists. Didn't Bill Cowher retire like forever ago he's already in the hall of fame yeah. i'm like i'm like there's if he didn't do it by now i'm sorry bc ain't doing it he, he retired uh, when mike tomlin took over right yeah exactly so, so it's it been is a literally while. Been, it's been it's been 16 years okay. exactly i'm gonna go ahead and cross yeah. Bill cower off these lists but i, I yeah, tell you uh, darren bevel I, I i don't like that name i don't think darren bevel i don't think kellen moore um you know, yeah, I don't, I don't want think, no, nothing against Kellen Moore, but I I don't. Well, if and, you're going to switch, I don't want to go down that path again. Well, and Leslie Frazier, Brian Flores, defensive coaches. I don't think that's what, the Cardinals need an offensive minded coach. Okay, even if he's not going to call the plays, you have to come from that mindset, especially dealing with Kyler Murray. Right, you need to have that credibility. So I would scratch those two names off the list. Uh, you know, I definitely think that, you know, Byron Leftwich is a possibility um, just because you have a former quarterback. Maybe there is a better, you know, um, way of doing things. And, and B-Left's nature 
is 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 more flowing. I think it will vibe better with Kyler Murray and also the offensive side of the ball. And uh, you know he and he has a rapport. He knows the Cardinal system. He knows the organization as well. Being a former coach here, so I I, I do like that one. I think, and it's not because you know I played with B. Left and he's one of my good friends. I I do think he's that good of a coach. Like I thought he should have been the Jacksonville coach, but obviously I love what Doug Peterson's doing as well. And I think you know <clears throat> that's something that you have to look at and and consider, but B-Left, I think, is a smart guy to bring in for a potential interview. B-Enemy is well overdue. I don't care how you interview. All he does is win, win, win. And I know it's Patrick Mahomes, but you're getting a guy with a very similar skill set um, with Kyler Murray, both basketball, uh, baseball backgrounds. Um, you know, looking at him as an opportunity. Uh, Dan Quinn, I like him because he's a leader of men. Um, and that's another key valid point that you need to find in this situation. He's willing to go have those hard conversations. He's always an open door policy. He's very transparent. Um, so I do like him as, as a total option as well. Uh, who else is on the list? Um, here, we'll was go through it? more of these later on. There was, there was a few other ones. I, okay. I do, as we're talking this out, I like the, because some of these guys that, that haven't been a head coach before, like I do, I do like Byron Leftwich. I wonder if the Cardinals need somebody who has done this in this league before because they've tried the last two times with something new but you know just because just because it didn't work before doesn't mean it can't work going forward I, I do think you hit on the biggest thing though is is who who do you bring in where Kyler Murray's like okay I respect this guy and I gotta listen to what he says for sure uh, we'll get back into this later on when we come back we'll take you through the latest stories of the day with Wolf and Down Your Lunch it is Wolf and Luke Max Starks in for Wolf on Arizona Sports the local sports leader